Hello, hello. I am Karen Jean-François, and this is the Women in Data podcast, a podcast where every other week I interview some of the most inspiring women working in data. They discuss how data is used in various industries, share their knowledge and experience in the field, and equip you with tips to help you overcome challenges on your career and feel great. Let's get straight to it. I am joined today by Sue Parker, founder of Empowered Leaders in Tech. She coaches ambitious professionals and leaders in IT and data sector to become fulfilled, doing work that is purposeful and have an impact. As a data leader herself and a passionate woman in technology ambassador for a global company, Sue has been there and understands the challenges. In this episode, we talk about career planning, providing you with tips and tools to empower you to define your career. You will first hear about how Sue came to understand the importance of defining her career and will then find the information you need to get started on crafting your own path. Hi, Sue. Hi, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Karen, for having me. Thank you so much for joining me on the Women in Data podcast. I am super excited about this episode because I think, you know, we don't talk enough about career crafting and how to get to where it is that we want to be. So I'm very excited about all that. But before we get into this topic, could I invite you to introduce yourself? Sure. So I think you've given me a fantastic intro, really. So I founded Empowered Leaders in Tech around 12 months ago as a result of my own career journey. So I've had a journey from being a teacher of IT to being a web developer and suffering that imposter syndrome, that developer doubt, to working as a business analyst, a project manager, and then finding my passion in data and now becoming the head of business intelligence at a global organization. But I started Empowered Leaders in Tech because I realized that this journey was quite challenging and I wanted to provide levels of personal growth, training, support and coaching to other professionals who, like me, were probably in the dark. And that's something I'm incredibly passionate about, which is the Empowered Leaders in Tech journey. What a journey. And to be fair, being in the dark is something I am very, very familiar with, so I'm very pleased that you are taking this initiative and actually helping others to really change the way they are doing things and getting to own their career. So you said that your journey is what led you to create this thing. So could you tell us a bit more about that? Absolutely. So I, after I moved out of teaching, I wanted to get into private sector. I really wanted to show my students these sorts of careers that I was telling them about and experience it for myself. And I was on this journey thinking my route has got to be up a corporate ladder. There's only one sort of aim for success. There's only one goal there. And so I just got out into the big bad world as a developer, realized that uh, imposter syndrome was quite overwhelming. I used to call it developer doubt. I would sit there and think, I can't do this. Everybody else already knows the answers. And that just got worse and worse. And and eventually I found myself becoming more of a BA. I, I was more comfortable working with the clients to understand what their requirements were and then became a, a business analyst and project manager, you know, ticking the boxes, doing my Prince 2 certification, my business analysis and practice. I'm feeling like I'm finally getting somewhere on this career ladder, but still couldn't figure out how to make the next leap. 
And that's when um, I started to do my master's and, and I really honed on, and I think we all do this, we hone on our hard skills and we hone on working really hard and impressing people with the work we do, not realizing that there's a lot more to it that people can't even see. And if you're not out there shouting about it, you're not telling people, you're not visible enough, then most people don't even know that you're doing this great work in the first place. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah, absolutely. So, so many of us, particularly I think in, in tech, we are very task focused. We hone in on what we're doing and we, we try and produce the best product output but we're not very good at being extroverted and, and, and standing at the table and saying what we contributed. So consequently, it took me a while to figure out how to climb that co- corporate career ladder. And eventually I did, I did get my master's and I did become a head of business intelligence. And there was a lot of factors that I think contributed to that, which we will definitely discuss today. But what was really interesting is when I got there, you know, that feeling that oh, I get this new job, I will feel happy and fulfilled. This is exactly what I want. But actually, the, the hard work's only just begun. When you get there, you realize that some of your peers have got a support network around them that you haven't. They know things that you don't. So I was plate spinning. I had about a million different projects on the go. I was going to improve everything across my team of two at the time. Uh, but I then I was going to double the team as well and just had a massive, huge vision and became very swamped with busy, urgent, important work. And the imposter syndrome just waved over me, being asked questions very publicly in meetings about things I didn't really understand. And neither did I have the time to go out and learn, made me question, should I even be here? So I would go home feeling stressed. I would sit on my laptop working late into the evening. I'd go to sleep thinking about work, waking up, writing notes, And I hear people tell me this now, they wake up in the middle of the night and they'll write a note by their bed to remind them to do something. So it's disturbing your sleep. And this just got worse and worse and worse until I felt like an island, so alone that I couldn't admit that if I didn't do this, maybe I needed to step back and and basically step back a role. Maybe I need to admit defeat and give in. And, And it somehow just felt that it wasn't that fulfilling role. I wasn't being able to have the impact I wanted, but I was just so overwhelmed. And eventually, I started to have heart palpitations. I couldn't sleep at night. I was snappy at home. I knew I was horrible to live with. And eventually I I suffered this life-changing burnout. And that that was quite an eye-opener for me. Something had to change. Did I even want this role? So I started to question lots of things in my life. And I think that's when you start to question the way you'd been seeing things through your perspective to figure out what is it that you wanted to achieve in in the end? So I started to think about the types of work that are my zone of genius, the things that I'm good at, and all the things that we're going to talk about this morning so that you can figure out what it is that really you're aiming for. Because I didn't do that at the beginning. What type of person did I want to be? How did I want to show up? I just became overwhelmed with it all and thought this was the only definition of being successful. I must have this title. And then people say, you've achieved something. That's a a very powerful story you you shared with us and thank you for sharing that but you know this idea that we have to climb the ladder and then go to that job that I don't know being an executive job or this role where you have to be at the top of your game and there is a way to do it it's something that I don't know. It stresses me out just thinking about it. To be, to be fair, I am a, an advocate for squiggly careers, and I think the the ladder nowadays that doesn't work anymore. But also, you mentioned something very important here: is the busy, 
urgent, not important work that we all get overwhelmed with and will definitely ultimately always lead to to the burnout. So sorry you had to go all the way there to to realize that a change had to be done, but you're here today to help others to not to get there. So could you tell us a bit more about why it is important that we define our own path? Absolutely. And I think it's really interesting to put it into perspective here. So research done in America showed that seven out of 10 people are disengaged with their work. Now, I find that really profound. Why do seven out of 10 people go to work and feel no purpose, no connection to what they do? Where is it going wrong? Because we spend 90,000 hours in our lifetime at work. So it's really important that we define a path that's going to be fulfilling for us because you're going to spend a long time there in it. And it should, we should come away. I talk about waking up motivated and coming home fulfilled because I believe there is this, this intertwined nature with life now. You know, most of us are working from home, which makes it even more tricky. But that interconnection means when you come home fulfilled, I think you're a better mum, you're a better friend, you're a better wife, you're a better husband, you're a better all of these things because you're getting satisfaction knowing you're contributing to something. But you see, the career path that we've got now is kind of outdated because we had the industrial revolution that brought about the need for fixed hours, you know, the nine to five, somebody being present or on a production line or whatever they were doing to to fulfill a given service or product need that was being defined. And now we've had this technical revolution Plus, we've had COVID and generational changes. So the generations, um, certainly younger than me, who are saying, actually, I expect to be more flexible. I expect to be able to travel. I, I want a life where I do this and I work from home. And it's not, it's not a perk. It's actually something I want. But I still can be successful. I want to be a specialist. I want to really get, hone my skill and be incredible. And in this sector, we're very lucky. You know, there's no longer a case of the senior manager in the department is often paid the same as your senior solutions engineer or your senior data scientist. Why is that? Because we need that level of technical expertise is just as valuable as somebody who can manage people. And it's always, it's actually always been this two way route. You can go specialist or you can go leadership. Yeah. And you don't have, it isn't just leadership, it isn't just a title. Specialist, especially, you know, it's lucrative. It's well-respected. You get the same reward. It's very impactful. You can impact the technology that's being used today. I also read the statistic that 56% of millennials expect to be self-employed. The new generation are pushing for, I want to determine which projects I do, which companies I work for, and the type of culture I work in. And they're saying they want to pick and choose that, and they're going to. And then there's, I think that overlaps with, I don't know if any of your listeners have heard of the new work concept, and I'm going to put more out there about this because this is something that an Austrian philosopher talked about, and it's incredibly re- reflective of what's happening. So new work is where we have some paid labor. So that's the work that you do to get your, your income. You'll then have, a, have an amount of passionate work. So for example, if I think of you, Karen, the work you do to help professionals, the podcast that's your passionate work. Yeah. And then the work you do, your paid work is your specialism, your expert specialism in your data, data science career. And then you've got an element of smart consumerism. This is the new generation saying, I don't need stuff to impress people I don't even know. 
I don't need a big house and a big fancy car and a title. I recognize that life is so much more fulfilling when I have the things that make me feel fulfilled as a person. So I'm doing all those things. And I think, you know, this new generation is starting to shift the workplace and the type of, if you think of your own recruitment, you'll think of how you've had to offer different things. So you see, it is squiggly because we're trying new things. We're more exploratory than we were. We've got new options. And it's it's really never been an A to B flight. You know, it's not a linear career path. When you talk to anybody, they had something that, you know, they had to navigate, whether it be a restructure or something. So, you know, that squiggly career to figuring out what you want to do, how you want to do it and build the life that you want is is sort of quite reflective of that. I definitely couldn't agree more. And especially, you know, when you're talking about uh, the impact that COVID had on, on all this, you were talking about studies earlier about uh, how employees are feeling engaged at work. So was it engaged? Um, yeah. yeah. And then I, I read recently something saying they were even less engaged now because of the whole global situation. Uh, so now I guess all this is getting even more important than, than it was before. How do you go about defining your path? A lot of it stems with your identity. So, for example, on day, you know, when you're starting your career, you're identifying as, say, let's say you're identifying as a data analyst, and you've decided that's who you are. And as part of that identity, you've probably created some limiting beliefs around that. You've been told certain things. You've got your perceived limit of ability. And a lot of people sort of take this perceived ability and they decide that, this is this is my limit. This is where I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to have. And when you take your identity and you identify what you want to be, what you want to do and what you want to have, you start to think about what your values are. So quite often what happens is you have this like midlife career crisis, I call it, where a lot of people get to a certain point where they go, how did I get here? I don't even enjoy what I do. And I was reading a post actually from somebody recently, a CIO who had basically been so stressed for many years, had so much responsibility, didn't sound like he had a very psychologically safe environment at work. You know, he was, people were gunning for him all the time and failure was not not an option. And he basically packed it all in to be a postman because, and he was saying, I'm happier than ever. I I enjoy the walk. I enjoy the weather. I'm more connected with nature. And it was really eye-opening to many people to read and think, wow, this person's given up this massive salary, this huge successful career to do this. But what his message was telling us is that get focused on what your values are, get focused on who you want to be and the type of life you want to build. And that's where you start, not with somebody else's ideal or vision of what you should be, not your parents who are telling you that's a good job. I remember in teaching, I was told constantly, you have a safe job. It's really secure. You have a good pension. And I'm sat there thinking, do I want to do 40 years in this job with a safe pension? When I didn't feel that I was any, I was contributing anymore. I needed to do something more. It's different ways of thinking between the generations, isn't it? Because as you were, you were saying, so you were talking about the millennials, uh, not wanting to be climbing the career ladder anymore and wanting to really own their career and define their, their path while before people were just getting one job and sticking at it for forever. <laughs> Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what we can learn as an older generation from these younger generations is that they have, you know, this freedom is liberating this view, this perspective. So we have this very, we look at everything through our paradigms, through our perspective, what we've been told, those limiting beliefs, the things that we've had, and we'll come onto the journey so far in a minute. But 
we look at our identity through that lens. But the reality is we need to broaden it. And let's say, for example, I'm going to use the example of being a podcaster. So let's say you've decided as part of your identity that you want to you want to be a podcaster and you want to inspire others like you have done. But let's say you start off by saying, I'd like to record a podcast. Well, that's not really embedding it in your identity. But if you say, I'm a podcaster, what would a podcaster do right now? They plan their first episode and they make it happen. So you see, it all starts with defining what is your identity? Because when, when something is, when we make it part of our identity, we make it happen because it becomes a must have instead of a, well, I'd like to do that. Yeah, this aligns really well with what James Clear says in Atomic Habits. And I like that because he talks also about building your habits around your identity. So instead of saying, I want to do this because I want to lose weight, you have to say, I'm a fit person or something like that. We spoke about where it all starts from. So this is all understanding your identity and your value. What do you do next? Okay, so understanding your journey so far is really important. So the fact that you have these limiting beliefs on you, all these unseen things, you know, if someone calls you out in a meeting, it's about understanding that, you know, they're calling you out. Are they calling you out because they're trying to throw you under a bus or are they calling you out so that you can be given the opportunity to be heard? Are they trying to get people to know you or are they challenging you to grow? And they're saying, I'm questioning you because I want to challenge you to think better to think bigger so it's all about through how we look through our lens and how we see the world so if we're going to see it as a really negative thing and we're going to focus on I can't do that people judge me in this way um you know we believe that we're told we're not good enough so we have this sort of perspective that's quite negative and we're focusing so hard on the things we can't control and not the things that we can Thinking, you're, thinking of yourself as being a victim of your circumstances versus, versus I have lots of choices, then we, you know, we're not going to move forward. So what we've got to do is we've got to try and break away from that mold and sort of think of ourselves as how can we look at this situation differently? It's about focusing on what I can control in this situation. At work, you might have tried to find to get your voice heard and not been able to find that platform. So what are all the all the things you can control? When you've tried all of those, it's then about moving, perhaps considering moving to another company where you're going to get heard. Perhaps it's a different sector. Perhaps it's a different role. Finding your place so that you can get yeah. heard. And then you, you have on your website, I've been doing a bit of stalking, <laughs> this 3D framework mm. uh, that, that gives some really key steps to define your careers. What's that about? So this is, this is as a result of my breakdown. It was, well, why am I, why do I feel so overwhelmed? Why am I just swamped with all this busy work? Why do I not seem to get it like everybody else gets it? And obviously there's an element of personal development, personal growth that I went through, which has since become my addiction. So TED Talks, books, um, probably the same as yourself, Karen. That's, that's my binge. Um, and from here, what I realized is I was talking to these directors and I was, get, I was getting a feeling that they had things in their corner. And th these things are, I, I determined into three categories. So there's three circles, like a Venn diagram. And if you think about it, the first one has got to be mindset. You know, 80% of everything we do is, do I believe I can do it? Am I positive about it? Do I believe I can learn? So if you don't know it now, can I learn it? And in technology, I think because it's so technical, there is an element of, I can't do it. It's too technical for me. Reality is we've just got to push through the frustration, the difficulty. If somebody else can do it, 
there's no limit to your potential. It's, it's what you determine it as. And that abundance. So mindset is really important. And we also get into the realms of being in competition with people. And that's not healthy. That doesn't help us. Because that leads on to the other things. So we've got this mindset that says, I can do it, I will learn it. And it's a, it's, a, it's an exercise every single day to focus your mindset. But then the other circle is support. So I noticed these executive directors, they had coaches, they had sponsors, all the way through their careers, they had mentors, they had people around them, not just one person, they sometimes had a collection of different roles that at various times helped them to see the bigger picture, to get out of their own head. You know, we talked about that paradigm, that limiting belief that, you know, focusing in on our our perspective is so small. They had all these other people around them that allowed them to see the bigger thing. And executive coaching is probably the biggest tick on a lot of these lists. But if you can get yourself a sponsor, if you can find role models that you can mimic until the point where you feel you're able to move into your identity of that, then that's incredibly important. So I was an island. I needed to know it all. I couldn't ask any questions. I wanted to do, I thought you have to do it all by yourself. And the reality is anybody out there who's, who's doing that is not getting where you want to be. Embrace the support, ask for help, reach out, endear yourself, just ask people for advice. And they actually, you know, they really like that. Oh, you see me as an expert. Uh, Yeah, sure. I'll tell you how I did X or how I handled this situation. I think, you know, when we, when we are quite technical, uh, I, I can see why people would feel uncomfortable asking questions about how to do that and saying, Oh, I don't really know how to do that because we have these things. Oh, I've been employed. I've been hired to do that. And then I will go and tell them I can't do that. But yes, I agree. Asking questions is definitely the most important things and realizing that sometimes you don't know it all. So you have to learn it and get the help you need for that. 100%, 100%. And that's, that's a brave thing to do. And then the third really important circle on that Venn diagram is clarity. So at the beginning, I talked about identity and this, you know, all stems from that, that when you know what it is you're trying to achieve, what your values are, and you are, you basically check everything against. Somebody said to me, it's like a compass. When you know what your identity is, what you're trying to build and trying to live by, that's you, that's you know aligned to your values, you're checking every decision and every action against, does this sit right with me? And when you're doing that, it gives you the ability to make decisions quickly and confidently. It gives you direction. It makes it, you know, it's freeing because actually... I don't need to follow the path that somebody else expects of me anymore. I know what I need to do for me. And there's also this concept, I think earlier on, we talked about overwhelm and busy work and being, you know, one of my biggest things that I work with people on is at least cutting out the noise Let's so that we can just, just take some time. Let's cut out a load of noise and strategize a few areas so that we can get you to the picture you want to see. And, you know, new leaders particularly come to me with complete overwhelm. What this does is when you've got clarity and you've got the right mindset, you know you're going to you're gonna handle it and you've got support behind you, you've got a coach, you've got a mentor, you've got somebody there supporting you. You can then take the essentialist approach and, and this is there's a book about essentialism where it's basically saying, what's the most important thing right now? And, and cutting out the noise, your to-do list might be three pages long, but it's not serving you when you realize that the most important thing in your life's goal or in what's happening in your life right now, maybe it's a family situation and you act on that, you feel congruent with your, with your identity and with your values. And that's the most important thing. And when 
you can cut out that noise and everybody realizes, oh, all this stuff I'm going to spend the next three hours when I get into work focusing on these emails that are somebody else's busy work. Actually, if I just if I just stop that and don't look at that until midday, I can I can focus on the thing that mattered and feel so much better with what I've what I've done with my time. So to summarize the three Ds, it would be if I if I remember well. So there was the mindset, the support, and clarity. All right, that that's great. So once we've got all this in place. How do we ensure we stay on track? Absolutely. And this is the hard thing because there is no quick fix, no hack. You know, um, James Clear actually talks about this. I'm glad you brought up his book. It's fantastic. So the, it's not like today one, I'm going to set up, I'm going to get a mentor. I'm going to get a coach. I'm going to sort my mindset out today, do some meditation or do some, you know, brainstorming about my dream, my vision, my values, all that kind of stuff. And then I'm just going to make some decisions and that's it. It doesn't work like that. This is something that, you know, famous, successful people are working on every single day. You'll know this from your work. You know, it never stops. This is an ongoing process. It takes work. And all it takes is, you know, a day of not doing something to miss out a good habit. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Always start. So I I touched on a few really practical steps to get you thinking about this. And the start of your day should always be, how do I want to show up? And it, it's a reminder, it's either having five minutes with yourself in the bathroom, five minutes with yourself out going for a walk where you just focus your mind on what it is that is really important to you. How do you want to show up today? And I always think of three words, every day, three words that describe how I'm, how my identity is. Who am I? I'm, I want to be a leader that encourages and grows my team. That's incredibly important to me is helping them to grow. I want to be somebody who's empathetic and listens. I want to show up and I want to be motivating to my team maybe you want to be charismatic you want to show up as this person who is a problem solver maybe you know whatever your characteristics are that define who you are you've got to really focus on that first and then get focused on what is the big thing I've got to do today and you do that every single day without looking at too much overwhelm too much to do list. and the biggest thing I can say to support people with this is push down looking at your phone to like 10am in the morning or something or your email until you know 11 if you can remember if something's urgent somebody will ring you somebody will message you and that's probably your, your first point of call but it's about setting up some routines some boundaries that protect an element of you focusing on your time and then when it comes to or doing all the things that matter so having that appointment with your mentor is scheduling scheduling is really key and when you can start to look at your diary and see that I'm, I'm focusing on my goal because I've got Friday afternoon blocked out for personal development. Maybe you've got a course, an MBA, or you've got a meeting with your coach or your mentor. It's got your Monday is, is all about, I'm going to start the week by planning. What are the most important things I've got to do? And every single day, touching base with your vision, with your identity, with who you are, your values, and really living those out. So it's, it's being so, I call it being, um, being intentional. Some people call it being conscious. So every time you step into a new part of your day, be intentional about how you're going to show up. And it isn't a quick fix. And you're going to have moments, you're going to have bumps in the road. I talked about navigating problems where you're either going to have to have an outlet, somebody you talk to, or a way of dealing with that. And there's things like release meditation techniques for people who are into that. Or it can be as simple as I know people who go for a walk in a park, green space, green trees, relax the shoulders. Okay, now I know how I'm going to deal with this problem or how I want to move forward. You know, really get clarity, make space in between 
everything else that's going on in the world, make yourself space. Definitely did a lot of walks in the park in the last few <laughs> few months. <laughs> um, do you have any recommendations on where people could find more information on the topics? Absolutely. So well, we talked about James Clear's book has been a really great one. Stephen Covey's Habits for Successful People, Seven Habits of Successful People. Love that one too. <laughs> and that is a great one for... Many of these elements are, he goes into so much detail with examples. I find it's one you've got to keep going back to. You find something and then every time you read these sections, they may, they have a different slant on your life. You know, we've probably heard all these cliches for years, focusing on the positives and all that kind of thing. You never really listen to it until you're ready in your life to listen to it. So when it re- resonates with something you're doing right now, then that's the time that you're going to you're going to pick up on it. And that's why I think these books are important to go back to. So Eat Your Frog is another great book by Brian Tracy, and it will allow you to focus on the things that matter and are most challenging for you. And How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It's an old book with some really old examples in. But what I like about it, he makes you put yourself in somebody else's shoes all of the time. Although what he's coming at it from is a perspective of how do I make a sale to somebody? I think there are elements of that book that will give you a better relationship with your team and give you a better relationship with um, the people that you that you work with um, and the people in your family. And then there's always empowered leaders in tech. So what I try and do is I try and build on, you know, the latest TED Talks, the latest books and all that kind of stuff. I'm basically saying, how do we take wisdom, knowledge, but also modern research and how do we apply it in our lives? All right. That sounds really interesting. And of the four books you mentioned, uh, I've read three, so... I guess I'm on the right path. (laughs) Thank you so much, Sue, for joining me on the Women in Data podcast. You're very welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Karen. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Women in Data podcast. We will be back in a couple of weeks with a new guest. Until then, if you have two minutes, it would be great if you could leave us a rating or a review as it helps not only to make the podcast more visible, but also to enhance the content. If you don't want to miss the next episode, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We are also on LinkedIn. And if you wish to, you can even register to the community for free. All you have to do is head to womenindata.co.uk. Have a great day.